Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity titled, Early Recognition of Acute Kidney Injury, What's the Role of Biomarkers, is provided by Prova Education and supported by an independent educational grant from Biomeru. Be sure to review the disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Here's your host, Dr. Jay Coiner. Acute kidney injury or AKI, is a common problem that's faced by nephrologists, intensivists, general practitioners, and surgeons. The incidence of AKI is increasing in hospitalized patients, and it is associated with increased risk for both short- and long-term morbidity and mortality. Fortunately, recently there have been advances in several biomarkers of kidney injury that have allowed us to identify patients who are at increased risk. This is CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Jay Coiner, a nephrologist at the University of Chicago, and I'm here today to talk to you about AKI, acute kidney injury, and biomarkers. I'm here with Dr. Sandra Kane-Gill, who is professor of pharmacy and therapeutics at the University of Pittsburgh's School of Pharmacy, and I'm also here with Dr. John Kellum, who is a professor of critical care medicine and the director of the Critical Care Nephrology Center at the University of Pittsburgh. Welcome, Dr. Kane-Gill. Welcome, Dr. Kellum. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Dr. Coiner. It's a pleasure to be here. Dr. Coiner, it's a distinct honor to be with you today. Good to see you both. As I'm sure you're both aware, AKI is a common problem, and it can have dire consequences. Dr. Callum, can you tell me a little bit about what exactly AKI is? Uh, sure. Uh, as you know, Jay, it's a, a, a big topic, but uh, briefly, uh, acute kidney injury is an abrupt decrease in kidney function. It can be caused by a host of different uh, triggers from uh, obstruction to uh, uh, toxic mediators, uh, both endogenous and exogenous, including drugs, um, as well as uh, disorders of other organs like the liver uh, or the heart. It has both uh, important short-term and long-term uh, complications, including uh, fluid electrolyte abnormalities, bleeding complications, uh, problems with metabolizing drugs that are cleared by uh, the kidney, and then uh, and hence uh, uh, associated with uh, drug uh, adverse drug events. Uh, it also impacts uh, cardiovascular risk significantly and can lead to immune dysfunction and therefore increase the risk uh, of infection. Often, acute kidney injury uh, uh, doesn't uh, resolve, uh, and the uh, kidney injury goes on to uh, uh, develop a a chronic stage that we refer to as chronic kidney disease, uh, and of course, uh, chronic kidney disease is associated with its own uh, host of of chronic problems. Thank thank you. How do you diagnose acute kidney injury, Dr. Callum? It's a clinical diagnosis, and it involves looking at changes in kidney function with uh, tests like serum creatinine uh, or urine output. Uh, But these tests don't directly measure kidney damage. And so uh, there's been an ongoing uh, push, I think, to try to develop uh, new diagnostic tests that can uh, uh, measure uh, damage in the kidney or, or in the case of the markers we'll be talking about today, uh, actually stress in the kidney. Kidney, uh, which happens before there's actual damage. Dr. Kane Gill, in follow-up to that, what do you think are the characteristics for an optimal biomarker of AKI? I think ideal characteristics would include that it's objective, that it's quantifiable, that it's specifically related to kidney injury, that it's reliable, and that it's very easy to measure. Um, as Dr. Kellum already mentioned, those traditional biomarkers we think of are things like urine output 
and serum creatinine and proteinuria. Unfortunately, these biomarkers have some limitations. Uh, limitations such as urine output, very dependent on fluid status, and also can be very dependent on uh, diuretic administration. Um, serum creatinine, which is really not a real-time biomarker. In fact, after insult occurs, a rise in serum creatinine can lag behind by about 24 to 48 hours. And so that can be problematic because it doesn't allow us an opportunity to intervene or think about what our therapy should be for that patient because the function's already changed and, and the patient's already uh, has damage occurring. And in fact, we have these newer biomarkers that are available to us. Uh, we have biomarkers uh, that uh, are used for functional assessment. Uh, one is Cystatin-C, so similar uh, into serum creatinine in the sense that um, it may be able to help us with drug dosing in the future as we learn more about it. Um, and maybe we use it instead of serum creatinine, or maybe we use it in addition to serum creatinine as a possibility. We have damage biomarkers that are available to us. One is uh, KIM-1, um, something called NAG, also NGAL. These are damage biomarkers. We also have um, stress biomarkers, as Dr. Kellum had mentioned, which is um, ones that are currently available as TIMP2 and IGFBP7. Great. It sounds like there are a lot of biomarkers out there for AKI. Which ones are you using in your clinical practice? For us at our institution, uh, we actually use TIMP2, IGF-BP7, which is combined into a test called NephroCheck. Uh, we use it for various reasons, but one of them is the fact that it is the only biomarker for acute kidney injury that is FDA-approved in the United States to assess for uh, risk of moderate to severe acute kidney injury um, in hospitalized critically ill patients. Great. Thank you. For, zo for those of you just joining us, I'm Dr. Jay Coiner, a nephrologist at the University of Chicago, and you're listening to CME on ReachMD. I'm here with Dr. Sandra Kane-Gill and Dr. John Kellum, both of whom are, uh, work at the University of Pittsburgh, and we're talking about AKI biomarkers. Dr. Kellum, we just heard a little bit from Dr. Kane-Gill about stress biomarkers. Can you tell me a little bit about how these stress biomarkers work and what they do to identify patients at risk for AKI? Uh, the test that combines them, is, uh, as uh, Dr. Kane Gill uh, just mentioned, uh, uh, is FDA approved for risk assessment of acute kidney injury. Uh, and they were discovered by looking at uh, uh, really hundreds of uh, candidate biomarkers in hundreds of patients uh, to try to identify uh, uh, indicators of um, predictors of acute kidney injury occurring over uh, the next uh, 12 hours. And um, it was really only after their discovery and subsequent validation that uh, it became clear that uh, it isn't actually necessary for the cells to in the kidney uh, to, to be damaged or to die uh, for these, uh, these biomarkers to be released. And therefore, we think about them rather than as damage markers. We think about them as actually uh, markers that go up before damage. And, and we think of them as stress markers because just noxious stimuli uh, can, uh, can produce uh, their release, their preformed protein 
proteins, uh, and they're released very rapidly uh, into the extracellular space or into the urine. Uh, levels of these uh, uh, markers, when they get to be above uh, 0.3, uh, uh, represent a, an eightfold increase in the risk of developing acute kidney injury over the next 12 hours. And then when they get to be above uh, 2.0, uh, they represent a 16-fold increase uh, in the risk. Um, what this basically means is that the more stress in the kidney that you have, the more likely uh, there's going to be injury. The, the value, though, clinically is that there's a window of opportunity between the release of the stress markers and the development of injury or damage to the kidney uh, that can be utilized as a way of uh, triggering uh, a response. And there have been a variety of studies uh, from the uh, PREV-AKI study in, in Germany, which was the first, uh, to a recent study by uh, Dan Engelman's group uh, at Bay State, both in cardiac surgical patients, showing that uh, you can uh, interdict this process. You can uh, identify patients that have kidney stress, and you can do things to alleviate that kidney stress, uh, whether it's by uh, better resuscitation of the patient, uh, whether it's by improved uh, function of the heart in the cardiac surgical patient uh, population, for example. Um, and you can reduce the risk of that patient going on to develop acute kidney injury. And that's why uh, the most recent cardiac surgical guidelines actually recommend uh, this kind of restratification and, and management of patients uh, to avoid uh, this complication of acute kidney injury, which happens uh, quite often. Now, uh, in addition to, uh, to cardiac surgery, there are a variety of other areas, such as uh, drug-associated AKI uh, and sepsis, where studies are currently underway and efforts are uh, ongoing uh, to um, reduce the risk of acute kidney injury in that setting as well. Dr. Kane Gill, given the wealth of data that exists around the outcomes of patients who have TIMP2, IGF-BP7 measured, how do you think this biomarker should be used? Sure. Um, I think that, uh, as we know, for acute kidney injury, about one-fourth to one-third of cases are associated with drugs. And drugs are that one modifiable risk factor that allow us to um, evaluate them, make sure we're pr providing them in, a, uh, in an optimal manner so that maybe uh, we can prevent the pro progression of acute kidney injury or we can prevent AKI from occurring at all. At our institution, uh, we actually have a protocol in place to help us uh, with thinking about drug management. We have a clinical decision support alert uh, that goes directly to the pharmacist uh, when a patient is prescribed three or more nephrotoxins. So the moment that third nephrotoxin is ordered, the pharmacist gets an alert. It's an opportunity for them to do a risk assessment, um, and that would include um, evaluating TIMP2 IGF-BP7. And so if that test uh, comes back positive, greater than 0.3, in addition to the fact that they have some other risk factors, that's an opportunity to say, you know what? we can um, not add this third nephrotoxin, or maybe there's another nephrotoxin, nephrotoxic drug we can discontinue, or maybe we need that diligent monitoring. Great. At my hospital, where we're also measuring TIM2 IGF BP7, we use it in a similar manner that you described, where we use it to adjust drugs like vancomycin or other drugs that require careful monitoring of drug doses and kidney function at the same time. As we move to close, I guess I'd like to ask both of you to think about what you think the take-home message is around the use of biomarkers of acute kidney injury to identify patients who are at high risk. Dr. Kellum, why don't you start? 
Yeah, I, th- thank you, Dr. Corner. I, I, you know, for me, I think that uh, one of the things that uh, needs to be uh, emphasized is that um, most clinicians think that they're already doing everything that needs to be done for patients with uh, at risk for acute kidney injury. And I think we need to um, explain to clinicians that, first of all, every patient doesn't need to have everything done. In fact, that's not good medicine. Uh, we need to uh, provide uh, the appropriate care for the appropriate patients. So some patients, for example, uh, uh, should have a, a non-steroidal to avoid uh, a, a, a narcotic, um, and other patients are at too high risk to receive that non-steroidal. And sorting out that risk uh, can be challenging, and we need to have better tools than simply waiting for the acute kidney injury to occur and then reacting to it. So I think my closing message would be that this is really an opportunity to be proactive and to be proactive in both directions, uh, to do more for some patients and less for other patients and to provide the right care for the right patients at the right time. I think that's super interesting, Dr. Callum, and couldn't agree more. What about you, Dr. Kangil? What do you think the take-home is? I think the take-home is consistent with what you both have described, which is an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity we didn't have previously with traditional biomarkers. It's an opportunity to identify risk early. It's an opportunity to intervene early. Um, These are things that we didn't used to do with uh, drug therapy. And so um, it allows us uh, additional information over the traditional risk factors that we assess in a patient that may progress. And so we have this additional information, and that combined Um, can really help us to predict those patients who need extra attention, who need uh, better care. I totally agree. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. I'd like to thank both Dr. Sandra Kane-Gill and Dr. John Callum from the University of Pittsburgh for their time as we've talked today about acute kidney injury and new biomarkers. This activity was provided by Prova Education. To receive your free CME credit, be sure to complete the post-test and evaluation at ReachMD.com slash Prova. This is CME on ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.